This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Cricut. Cricut makes perfect, classic, and easygoing polo shirts. For 20% off of your first purchase, go to cricutshirts.com fool and use the promo code fool. That's C-R-I-Q-U-E-T shirts.com fool, promo code fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, a podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It is Tuesday, October 25th, and I am your host, Vincent Shen. With me in spirit and beaming into the studio via Skype from South Florida is Fool.com contributor Dan Klein. How are you, Dan? Hey, Vince. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I think for today's show, you know, sometimes we have those weeks where the topic for our episodes <laughs> is kind of taken out of our hands. It's essentially mandated or preordained by the market, and this is one of those weeks. And our this story. Might, Go ahead. This, this might be the most surprising show we've ever done, given that when we talked on Friday, we barely had an inkling that this could be a show. Yeah, that's true. Um, so our story for today, uh, without further ado, is the proposed merger of the telecom and entertainment giants AT and T and Time Warner. So this is about an eighty-five billion dollar deal, and if you include Time Warner's uh, debt balance. It's you know, balloons over one hundred billion dollars. It has dominated headlines over the weekend and in early in this week. Um, so, just to give listeners who aren't as familiar, I think you've all heard the names, but as familiar with the business, I want to give you a bit of, uh, of an idea of the scale and the scope, and what this deal really brings together in terms of their assets and what each company has to offer. So, first, we have AT and T, right? Over two hundred billion dollars market cap. Their trailing 12-month revenue is $164 billion, net earnings of about $14.5 billion. They have over 25 million video subscribers, the largest pay TV uh, player worldwide. They have over 12 million internet and broadband subscribers, over 40 million wireless subscribers, making them second only to Verizon, and they have a network covering, in the U.S., 350 million people, pretty much anyone out there. And then you can add to that another 20 million wireless and video subscribers in Mexico and Latin America. So, on the Time Warner side, you have a company with about $60 billion market cap, at least prior to the deal news, trailing 12 month revenue of $28 billion, net earnings of $4 billion uh, for, trailing, uh, for that same period. You know, they have three major segments. Turner includes think, uh, networks like TNT, TBS, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, uh, CNN, all of their affiliated digital properties, which are becoming uh, bigger and bigger. And all of those. Networks reach at least 90 million domestic television households. HBO has grown its subscriber base over the years with tons of famous, like very popular content. Think Game of Thrones, Silicon Valley, The New Westworld, which I've personally been watching and really enjoying. They have over 130 million subscribers worldwide. And Warner Brothers is the largest, is the last segment, is the largest TV and film studio in the world. They produce a ton of popular TV series, like 60 different TV series. Uh, they're known, f- they're, I think, the number three. Video game uh, publisher for last year, and their movies. You know the, uh, some of the famous franchises, including the DC uh, comic universe, uh, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Tons of major, major franchises. Huge names for Time Warner and for the Warner Bros. Brothers Studio. So that is the potential here <laughs> for everything that's coming together. It's a ton of properties so, and a ton of assets. What do you think? 
so to put it into perspective, this is a giant distribution company buying a giant content company, a premium content company. Um, it's it's really a case of AT&T has the pipeline. You mentioned video subscribers. Most of that is DirecTV. They purchased DirecTV fairly recently. So this is all about giving them the premium content, which they can use to justify, uh, let, let's say, price increases or keeping prices the same. And it's really a way to control both sides of the transaction. As you know, I'm not a shareholder, but for shareholders of either company, I don't love the deal, partially because there's not a lot of history of distribution companies understanding content. You know, you look at an HBO, and HBO, sure, they have blockbuster shows, but they also make very smart very niche deals. Uh, Bill Simmons would be an example I give. They, he has a show any given Wednesday. He has a bunch of digital platforms uh, with them and without them, but there's a couple of million people who he means a lot to. But when you're just a corporate AT&T guy used to sort of subscriber revenue and balance sheets, a deal like that doesn't make sense. And it makes me it makes me very nervous as a fan of a lot of content put out on the Time Warner side for AT&T running this show. Mm-hmm. So... If you look at the uh, you know the deal announcement press release and uh, the both the CEOs of AT and T and and Time Warner that's Randall Stevenson and Jeff Bukes respectively you know they've been making the rounds uh, I think obviously trying to sell I think regulators and the public at large on this deal why it's great for the two companies why it's great for the two shareholders and allegedly great for consumers as well. Um, and I think the deal announcement, the the press release rattles off plenty of the benefits. But when it comes down to it, what do you see as just the core rationale of how this would work, and especially for on the AT and T side when it's the combined entity? Yeah, I mean, on paper there are lots of benefits. On paper, when AT and T bought, or excuse me, when Time Warner and AOL merged, there were lots of benefits. It looked great. Uh, you know, on the AT and T side. What they're getting is the the differentiators as to why you would pick DirecTV over another service. If they could have a premium HBO offer, maybe HBO would only be $7.99 a month, whereas on Comcast it would be $14.99 a month. There's obviously some regulatory concerns with that. You know, the uh, you look at the HBO deal with Jon Stewart, which is going to be exclusive content. HBO would have all sorts of ways to entice subscribers. They might be able to say, you know what, TBS, TNT, CNN, those don't count against your data plan if you're streaming them over our wireless network. So they get all that leverage when it comes to content. Uh, it's easy to see why you think that would work, but it's also hard to see how the two cultures are going to match. That's ultimately why AOL Time Warner fell apart. It was an old line media company with a new line media company. Now you've got this incredibly creative content company, which Time Warner has been, become. You can make fun of the creative level of the DC movies all you want, but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And you're matching it with this subscription numbers driven business. That's not such an easy fit, but on paper it looks great. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, just right there, you mentioned three, you know, what you might call uh, revenue synergies or ways that they can uh, package that distribution and content creation side. And honestly, that is just the tip of the iceberg. It, some of the possibilities, if you really think about the number of properties and the reach that AT and T specifically has with its various wireless and internet subscribers, it's pretty. And it's pretty mind-boggling uh, some of the some of the different ways they can find to innovate and offer uh, you know attractive to, services, exclusive to just, content to consumers. 
Yeah, to just take something really small like Adult Swim. I mean, the the challenge with cable is reaching millennials. And Adult Swim has those kids as they grow up when their parents are still paying for cable. So if you can take some of that content, which is, of course, already available online in all sorts of other formats, but port it over onto, you know, an AT&T exclusive video platform, and all of a sudden you have an AT&T product that maybe T-Mobile or another cable rival can't offer. So it really becomes, it gives AT&T an awful lot of tools that they can leverage if they're willing to figure out the content game. And that that's the part that scares me. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, before this, you know, becomes finalized, obviously, we also have a lot of challenges, I think, and some precedent, too, that we want to discuss uh, for what the AT&T and final time war combined entity might look like. So before we dive into that though, uh, I do wanted to give a big thanks to Cricket for supporting our show. Cricket shirts are made with 100% certified organic cotton in a fit that is just right, not too baggy and not too skinny. They are super soft, comfortable and sharp looking polo shirts that mix old school style and modern design. Like a proper dress shirt, the last thing you want is a ruffled bacon style collar and it is these finer details such as the removable collar stays on cricket shirts that really take their offerings to another level and as a special offer to our listeners you can get 20 percent off of your first purchase by going to cricketshirts.com fool and using the promo code fool that's c-r-i-q-u-e-t shirts.com fool promo code fool and on top of all that cricket offers free no hassle returns and exchanges thanks again to cricket shirts for supporting industry focus all right so dan um one precedent that I really latched onto when I was reading about this deal and thinking about what how things could work in terms of the regulatory side, uh, if it were to get approved, you know, some concessions are likely need to be made. Even though these two companies don't compete with each other directly, they're not. Re- this isn't a case of like the recently uh, scuttled deal between Staples and Office, Office Depot, for example, where people th- felt like it was you know the last two. Uh, you know, office supply stores coming together, lack of competition. But no, the person I was thinking of was Comcast and NBC Universal. It's it's absolutely you know the same deal, but to even an extended area because you know Comcast and AT and T are already the top two uh, cable providers, and with AT and T, you have their huge base of wireless subscribers as well. So. That is how AT&T is going to sell this deal. They're going to say you allowed Comcast to buy, you know, GE, Universal, NBC, whatever you wanted to call it at the time, with all of their associated cable networks and entertainment properties. You can also point a little bit to, you know, Disney buying Cap Cities ABC, where they're getting, you know, matching content with distribution, but ABC already had some of its own content. So there is some precedent, and you're right. This does not take a player off the board. This is not the FCC telling uh, Sprint and T-Mobile they can't combine because they don't want to see three wireless carriers instead of four. That said, the regulatory hurdles here are going to be enormous, mostly just because of the current mood. The idea of companies getting bigger and wielding this much power has actually been something that both presidential candidates, two people that can't even agree to shake hands before a debate, both are coming out and saying, oh, wait a minute, let's look at this really hard. Yep. I I think... You know, with the Comcast NBC Universal deal serving as a president that uh, AT&T can point to and say, "Hey, this worked." You know, the only difference being, like you kind of mentioned, AT&T has that wireless side as well. But there is also some negative aspects of that deal that I think uh, some regulars will point to and say, "Hey, this is actually 
that deal is making us uncomfortable. So it's important to note that the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, so they made Comcast agree to certain concessions before they approved that NBC Universal deal. Uh, among others, that included an affordable broadband service only offering, keeping some content on local stations, and also uh, a big thing was limiting its input on the Hulu joint venture, which was originally created by uh, Disney, 21st Century Fox, and NBC Universal. Um, and I, I frankly was not surprised to learn that you know in the year or two after the deal was approved, you know the FCC essentially had to take Comcast to court because they failed to follow through on many of those promises. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you look at AT and T's history, concessions scare me because they they've been uh, dragged into let's call it the mud about not meeting you know bringing uh bringing internet service to certain areas, uh, pricing concessions. First of all, you're gonna see a concession. Uh, almost definitely about how they price where they can't give themselves sweetheart deals so basically they can't say all right we'll, we'll eat the cost of tnt tbs for our subscribers but we're going to charge uh three dollars a head to comcast or to or to dish network to put them out of business i think you're going to see some rules about that it also wouldn't shock me if they were forced to spin something off um i think hbo is the logical candidate here you know hbo would be a very logical standalone company and it really is the jewel of all this so you're gonna see some pretty big concessions, and that might cause AT and T to walk away from this deal. Yeah, and something else that uh, I've seen brought up as a potential pain point, actually, in terms of the regulatory considerations, has actually been, been CNN and the idea that you know news networks should, uh, you know, as much as they can be, be neutral and have like a fair playing field. And that was an issue that came up in the Comcast deal too. You know, Comcast. Through their acquisition, took over CNBC, the business news network, and you know, as you can imagine, the better the ratings for CNBC, the bigger and MSNBC as well. Yeah, exactly. The bigger the financial contribution it makes to the business through you know advertising, various fees. So the company was supposed Comcast was supposed to carry all news networks in the same neighborhood, so to speak. Um, you know, the idea being if you're going to flip through news channels, they should all be together. And if you have another news channel like way off uh, in terms of those neighborhoods, you know, consumers or viewers are unlikely to go there. And what they did was that's you know they isolated Bloomberg Television, uh, kind of off into television Siberia as they called it, and. Uh, Comcast got dinged on that, and then yeah. So I, I think you, you're going to see the same rules apply to to this deal. That said, you know we know what the major networks are, and I, I I love Bloomberg. It's actually what I watch or listen to a lot of the time, but. It is a very niche station. I mean, you know, at at some point, I think we have to say, okay, all the major channels are together. You know, all the sports networks are grouped together, but the uh, the ACC network is on channel eleven thousand two hundred and fifty three because it has specific <laughs> because I have Directv, so it is actually that ridiculous in terms of of how the channels work. Yeah, you know, it, it's. There's going to have to be some rules here, and the problem is CNN is maybe not viable as a spinoff, and it's not like you could say, okay, who is a better owner for CNN? Um, you know, I, I don't see a home for it, but you're going to have to look long and hard at how they put this all together. I think the other big factor, and I, I know you and I talked about this before, is as an AT&T shareholder, this is a crushing amount of debt they're taking on, and from a Time Warner point of view, 
when a company buys another company, and we just saw this with UFC being bought out, the uh, the, the mixed martial arts people, mm-hmm. when a company buys another company and takes on a huge debt, the first thing that happens is cost cutting. And when you're producing Westworld and games of Th- Game of Thrones and other shows with lavish budgets, where the payoff is sort of a, a little bit uh, a little bit in the mist, you know, you, you don't directly correlate subscribers with spending six million on a Game of Thrones episode versus four million. So I think, you know, and I've said this since the beginning of this episode, you're going to see some very bad news on the content side with how they spend money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so even stepping back from the Comcast example, I think in general, right now, there have been a huge slew of big M&A announcements in 2015 and 2016. Some successful, some not successful. But I think overall, uh, people would agree that in terms of the Justice Department, in terms of the FTC, they are very closely scrutinizing these big deals. Just think about uh, you know, the tie-up with Walgreens and Rite Aid, uh, Bayer and Monsanto, Dow and DuPont, Anheuser-Busch and SAB Miller. Like These all required you know, minimum one-year review periods, if not more, and are currently in the process for a lot of those. And, you know, Comcast Time Warner Cable deal scuttled. Staples and Office Staples and Office Depot did not come out. Halliburton, Baker Hughes, Pfizer and Allegan, you know, all examples of deals that did not make it through. Uh, and as the climate, like you mentioned, you know, the two major presidential candidates can't agree to anything, but even they're like, you know what, this might not be the best idea. Yeah, I mean the the current climate says this deal doesn't get approved. But the reality is come not that long ago from now, a few few weeks from now, we're going to have a new president and we might see control of Congress switch hands. So the climate we're operating in isn't necessarily the climate we're going to have going forward. And you know, th- there's a lot of reasons to say no to this deal, but we don't see a monopoly. They they don't knock out a, a clear competitor they don't you know consumers would still have the ability to go get a verizon phone or you know in most markets get a different cable company or subscribe to showtime instead of hbo so or or, or or netflix so this isn't eliminating competition directly but it does give them a huge wedge to eliminate competition i mean if i was dish i would not want this deal because when you're making a deal for sling tv which uh, which has hbo Oh boy, the terms might get very different when DirecTV is marketing against you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I want to end the show uh, for the inv- any investors and shareholders out there in those in the two companies. So specifics for the deal uh, for Time Warner, you know, total again total deal size is about eighty five billion dollars. Uh, Time Warner shareholders, in terms of the consideration they will receive based on the current. Uh, you know the current deal parameters. They would receive part cash, so fifty-three dollars and seventy-five cents per share in cash, and then fifty-three seventy-five in AT&T stock. So for about total consideration, about one hundred seven fifty dollars per share. Uh, special conditions, though, lie there in that the stock portion of the consideration has a collar, basically meaning when the deal closes, if AT&T shares are below uh, trading below thirty-seven dollars uh, and four uh, forty-one. Cents approximately, you know, they, you only get one, or you would get 1.437 AT&T shares, and then if it's trading above 41, about 35 at closing, then you only get 1.3 shares. So small consideration there, and overall for the combined entity itself, Time Warner shareholders will hold about 15% stake for that final company, and then on the AT&T side, I think, you know, they just completed that 50 billion dollar deal. For Directv last year, you know, you mentioned the debt balance. Uh, the, the debt, the debt terrifies me on this. I mean, 
you know, you're going to have to. They say they're going to cut about a billion dollars in expenses. What's a billion dollars when you have 200? So, so they'll catch up to their debt in 200 years. I mean, it's not, it's not a good number. Yeah. So, just to give you an idea too, there is, you know, for AT&T right now, their cash balance is around six billion dollars. Uh, net debt, 120 billion. They would have to take on Time Warner's uh, 22 billion dollars of net debt, and then the cash consideration for this deal alone is over 40 billion dollars. Uh, so, Dan, when you that 200 billion dollar number, you throw throw all it together, you're getting pretty darn close. Uh, I'm, I'm rounding up a little bit, but you know, th- this is one of those deals where you have to assume everything is going to go right if you are a stockholder and you want to hold this long term so you have to assume that not only does AT&T buy this but they can integrate properly they can cost cut without hurting quality and they can leverage that to gain subscribers or advertising and more viewers that's a lot of things that have to go right before you have kind of a debt crisis mm-hmm. so you know final takeaway for me personally i think as it stands if the two companies can come together in their total current forms. There are a ton of benefits. You know, I think personally, I might not agree with it. Uh, you know, we've seen some issues with uh, the acquiring company not living up to some of the promises they make to get a deal through the you know regulatory hurdles, and I think there's a lot of problems with that in terms of enforcement. But overall, if you are uh, a shareholder here in terms of the premium that you're getting, and also the you know this mega uh, distribution, content creation conglomerate that you get. I think it's a very, very powerful entity uh, to have in the market. But um, whether that the deal will go through with, you know, like you mentioned, Time Warner being able to keep every piece of its business, the three major segments between Turner, HBO, and Warner Brothers remains to be seen. And what concessions AT&T will have to live up to? What do you think? I see the plus side for AT&T shareholders. I mean, they get premium content, which is very hard to come by. Uh, as a, if I was a Time Warner shareholder, I don't think 35% is enough. I think spinning off HBO might be worth more than that in terms of a premium. So it's really. You know, if you were a Time Warner shareholder who was a little bit dicey about the future of the company and were looking for an exit, this might be a wonderful strategy. But if you were a buy and hold investor who believed that HBO and TBS and TNT and CNN and all these properties had a future, um, I, I don't know. I just I, I don't have a lot of faith in AT&T management. And I know Jeff Bukes has said he's going to stay on for at least a year, but. Content is not the same as subscriptions, and you can't apply the same metrics. If you're HBO, if you're TBS, TNT, you're going to have to lose money on a certain amount of prestige programming so HBO can keep saying, you know, it's not TV, it's HBO. That's very hard for a traditional company to swallow. And, you know, I've said it since the beginning, it makes it a very uncomfortable marriage. Absolutely. And it's a very fair point. Um, I think. Uh, anyone who's sharing on either company or both and just following this deal in general will have to see what happens with the regulatory hurdles and how things change as that uh, part of the process develops. But thank you, Dan, for your thoughts. Thank Huge you. deal. Very interesting. Um, but that's all the time we have for today. You can continue the conversation with us. Ask any questions to the entire Industry Focus crew at Twitter, uh, at MF Industry Focus. You can send us any questions or comments by email to, to industryfocus at fool.com. People in the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Molly Fool may have four more recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Thanks for listening and Fool on. 